What's up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You are listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of tracksounds.com. And on this podcast, we talk all things film, television, and video game music. I am Christopher Coleman, and joining me for this episode, episode 101, is... Kristen Romanelli of Film Score Monthly Online. And also joining us tonight is a very special returning guest... Doug Adams, who is, as you know, a musicologist, and he's the author of the music of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the upcoming Impossible Silence. Today is Tuesday, February 13th, 2018, and this is episode 101 of the Soundcast, where we explore the question, what if Howard Shore scored a Star Wars film? You can find all episodes of the Soundcast at thesoundcast.com. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and wherever you find great podcasts. Wherever you do listen, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or wherever, please leave us a rating and a review because it really helps us to know that you're listening and what you think about the show and how we can make it better. If you have feedback for the show, there's a myriad of ways you can contact us. If you want to contact us by email, soundcast at tracksounds.com. If you want to leave us a voicemail, leave us a, uh, leave us a voicemail on our SpeakPipe widget, which you can find on our site, thesoundcast.com, or hit us up on Twitter at tracksounds or on Facebook. Well, Doug and Kristen, welcome back to the Soundcast. So glad to have you on again. Thanks so much. Thank you. So originally... This whole episode was going to be dedicated to the theme and the discussion of what if Howard Shore scored a Star Wars film? And we will discuss that at some length. But just before we came on air, I discovered through uh, the OneRing.net, they tweeted out a um, Periscope link. And the title of their Periscope session was um, Big Announcement. Uh, the re the reissue of the complete recordings and of course everything stopped and went into slow motion and I clicked the link and watched them discuss this news that I had missed today and I thought wow how fortunate that I'm about to be <coughs> speaking with one Mr. Doug Adams because I'm guessing he might know a little bit about this um, so what exactly was announced um, I think the first place they mentioned uh, it being on the web was on Modern Vital, on the Modern Vinyl site. And they have a picture of a five LP release of the Fellowship of the Ring, the complete recordings. Um, and it's going to be released, it looks like, on March 30th. It's being released by Rhino Records. And as I said, there's 580-gram uh, red vinyl records um and so with that or separately is also being released a a reissue of the cd version but instead of dvd audio it's going to come with one blu-ray audio and so doug what do you have to say about all this what where did this come <laughs> from you've been telling us for years don't buy it don't buy it it's coming i mean <laughs> literally years and so here it is yeah well we um I, the, the caveat with all of this is, in my humble guess here, I don't know that any of that was supposed to have been announced today. 
<laughs> I think uh, I think the uh, the vinyl sites and Amazon may have gotten ahead of themselves. In fact, I think as of right now, the picture is no longer on Amazon. So if anyone's nope, looking it for it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is on the modern vinyl site. That's where. Yeah. I well, I mean, once these things are out, they're out. So what do they're you do? Out. But um, yeah, I don't think that they planned on really uh, making a big splash about it today. Oh um, wow! So you were so, caught off guard too. Yeah, quite. Um, I, I'd have actually known about this only for a couple of weeks in this iteration. Um, we'd worked way back in uh, spring or winter into spring of uh, 2015. We worked on a, a re-release of the of the uh, complete recordings to try to have them ready for... Um, they were doing the shows live at Lincoln Center that ah. I think it was April, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, and the idea was to sort of have everything out at the same time. And for whatever reason, I don't honestly know uh, why. I'm not being evasive, but they just mm. didn't quite come together uh, to have released. Mm. Um, so that didn't happen. Uh, but that's kind of where I, I would warn people over time, you know, don't go spending, you know, $2,500 on Fellowship of the Ring. It's some point it's going to be coming back, I think. Yeah. Um, and happily, I don't end up with egg all over my face. There was <laughs> a kernel of truth to it all. It did come back out. Right. So, yeah, uh, Fellowship's got the, uh, as you say, the, the CD slash uh, Blu-ray uh, version that's coming. Um, and then uh, on uh, vinyl as well, which is kind of cool. Nice big yeah. red discs. And uh, they've reformatted the liner notes to fit the larger pages, which is kind of cool for me to see them in a in a bigger, uh, slightly less eye-damaging format, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So have you seen the physical product? Physical product, no. I've seen PDFs. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, it's it's coming soon, so they must be printing now if it's going to be available as of March 30th. Um, is the CD Blu-ray audio going to be available the same day, March 30th, do you know? I, if Amazon is to be believed, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Well, that that presents a quandary um, because I have I have the original uh, the original set on CD, um, but man, to have I don't know this. To be honest, I don't know the the spec difference. And I, well, I, I bet it's a huge difference: the DVD audio spec versus Blu-ray audio. Um, <clears throat> Don't I've I don't think I've ever listened to a Blu-ray audio disc before, um, but it does present a, a a bit of a quandary. Like, hmm, which which would I want to pick up if either? So the the LPs, not the LPs, but the vinyl uh, is about what one hundred nineteen dollars, and the 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 discs with the Blu-ray audio is what eighty dollars. Uh, I think that's what it was. It sounds right. Hold on, I'm looking. It is seventy nine ninety eight. So call it 80. So yeah, the vinyl is a little bit more expensive, but you get that nice big package and, and that's what's more appealing to me. Um, do you, I guess we presume that they're going to do the other ones. We don't know uh, about yeah, that. I hope so. I don't know. I hope so. It, yeah. uh, you know, it would make like, sense. Like, why yeah. would you only do this? Right. Um, right. Because the the only one I don't I have the promo version of the two towers complete, so that was the only one I ever wanted to buy, and of course mm-hmm. that was one of the ones that was just astronomically priced, and I was just like I can't, <laughs> I can't. There's no way I can justify that. Seeing that I already have it, I just want the official version um, for eighty bucks. I might I, I might do it, but it kind of. And it's kind of weird that I won't have all three of the same. I think I'll go the LPs. So if they do release the other ones, I'll have them all 
the same. Um, so uh, did you update the liner notes at all? Or is it exactly the same as you originally did? They're almost exactly the same. There is one very minor change, which I'll have to uh, think of some prize if anyone can find it. Um, <laughs> Someone will. Yeah, which they inevitably will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just a grammatical thing. It's like a something of more importance than a grammatical change. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it's a substantial change uh, that a musician will probably notice, so we'll we'll leave it at that. But um, oh, okay. I know I might say substantial, but it's it's not insignificant to a musician. Okay. Um, but yeah, keep your eyes open for that. Otherwise, it uh, you know there was some reformatting and everything, um, which I kind of looked over at the end. But it's uh, it really looks cool. I think they had to you know change the um, the ratio on some of the pictures and all that sort of thing. Oh, the, sure. The text will be slightly different, giving uh, timestamps for themes because instead of disc four side, you know, track whatever, it's now, yeah. you know, LP three oh, side sure. G and things like that, which is right, right. That's a real throwback to see that. It's kind of cool. Yeah, um, and it's the exact same track listing and everything. I do believe so. Yes. Okay, that's a lot of records. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, how about of it? And it's this excellent. is the shortest of the three scores, so if they do do the other That's ones, you're going to get a whole lot of vinyl. Yeah, I hope they bundle them all together. That would be a very expensive but <laughs> awesome package. That would be really, really fantastic. So, yeah, I'm into it. Kristen, is that, do, are, do you buy any vinyl at all? I don't. It's That's one of those things where I'm like, I sort <laughs> of wish I got into it. Yeah. Um, Mainly, I guess, because my parents just had so much vinyl. Um, oh. But, yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I no. stole all... Well, I didn't steal it, but I took all of my parents' vinyl because they didn't See? want it anymore. Yeah, I would totally steal all of my parents' vinyl. And they, yeah. like... I don't even know if it was... Like, they stored it so poorly. <laughs> oh, mine too. Yeah. But I kind of like that it's all beat up. You know, in a way, it just feels, it just feels more real. Uh, I know what the value's down, but I don't care. I'm not selling it. I just I want to have it. I mean, one of the th one of the treasures of it is, um, I forget how many how many records it is, but it's the it's Miklos Rosa's uh, Ben Hur, and it's this nice box oh. set, and the box is just falling apart and everything. But I remember playing it as a kid. And it's like, what's this record? You know, and I put it on like, this music's horrible. <laughs> I just remember having that experience with that. And then to see it like 25 years later, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is Nicholas Rose's been her. I'm taking this right now. Thank you. Well, um, my parents weren't that cool. It's a bunch of folk. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, they're cool in the in the folk realm, <laughs> in the under in the underground folk movement. <laughs> They'd have major, major credit. <laughs> Um, I don't even have a record player, but I just like the large format. I just like to have my music as big as possible. Uh, one day I'll, I will buy one. I've looked at them several times and I'm like, eh, I can. I should buy something else than spend money on a record player. Like records, which I can't play. <laughs> I, I do like the attention to detail that goes into these sorts of releases. Um, yeah. Not just on the production side, but like... The artwork that goes into yes, it. Yes, exactly. And, oh, there's it. It just seems like there are like really thoughtful details because there are mm -hmm. so limited batches. Yes, 
Yes, that's very true. And this release especially, I mean, I loved the original release of this on CD. Um, it was just, just a tiny package, though, and it's just like to have that package blown up a bit is is just phenomenal. Um, I just like to I just like to hold my music or hold representations of my music. Uh, so I'm looking at the picture, Doug. What is the is that a map? It comes with a map of Middle Earth. Is that what that is? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I didn't map. work directly on that part, but I think they've got sort of a bit of a map thing bundled in there. Yeah. Okay, I don't remember. I don't remember the CD one coming with a map, so that that may be something additional. That was one of my um, favorite things in um, my copy of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings when I was growing up. It had mm-hmm. like a map in it. That was like one of mm-hmm. my favorite parts of it. So that oh, yeah. is like a really cool detail to me. For sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, you almost have to have a map with those stories. It's like, <laughs> no kidding. where are you? Where? How? I don't know where you're going. I mean, it's just like, it's like a must-have <laughs> tool. So, yeah. So I'm pretty excited that it's coming so soon. It's just like, oh, man, we don't have to wait six months or, or <laughs> anything. I wonder if it will... It doesn't say anything about limited numbers, a limited run or anything, but I I mean, I don't know what the deal is, but um, I'm considering buying two <laughs> <laughs> just to help my retirement, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> um, is there anything else you can tell us about this release, Doug? I think that's about it for right now. Um, I'm assuming if, if the... Uh, but the press release isn't forthcoming. This might force everybody's hand and have to have it out pretty shortly now. So I think there's going to be a lot more out uh, uh, quickly. So okay, good, yeah. good, good. So the so what as far as we know right now, we've got the the five uh, record uh, version coming out on March 30th, and also the re-release of the CD, but with Blu-ray audio on March 30th as well. And both of them you can find at Amazon. You can find links in the show notes um, to that as well. And also a link to the Modern Vinyl uh, article, which has whatever details were available, track listing, a picture, and all of that. So look out for that. And those of you, I know there was someone on Twitter, forgetting who it is right now, who just bought all three uh, on CD (laughs) or, or got the last one for his collection or something. And man, that tweet that he tweeted out and he tagged track sounds in it and a lot of bunch of a lot of other people man that got a lot of retweets and favorites and people were just like really excited uh for this person who just (laughs) got that so i don't think he paid like the top prices that have been that have floated around over the last few years but he paid more than 100 or he paid more than 80 bucks i think so um but maybe those first versions will have some extra value because they are the first versions who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, um, that was exciting news tonight, and glad to be able to talk with you, Doug, about it specifically. That worked out really well. Um, but our main topic for the night is something a little different, uh, some pure speculation. Let me say that again. Pure speculation. Not even speculation. It's, it's pure fantasy. Um, and so talking about Howard Shore and fantasy or Star Wars and fantasy, yeah, it all goes together. Um, so let me set this up so we can discuss. Um, back on the 6th of February, StarWars.com and a number of other outlets made the announcement that um, David Weiss and D.B. or D.B. Weiss and David Benioff 
are going to be producing, writing and producing a new Star Wars series uh, of films. And so that got the internet a buzzing, as it tends to do. Um, and so as I began to think about the potential of that, was I excited about it? Was I not excited about it? I was excited about it. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the, the, the notes or the link to this article will be in the show notes. Uh, just a quick bit from the StarWars.com article. Um, they do say that these new films will be separate from both the episodic Skywalker saga and the recently announced trilogy being developed by Ryan Johnson, writer and director of Star Wars The Last Jedi. I say thank God. Um, and um, they're very excited about them coming on, as according to Kathleen Kennedy, who's the president of Lucasfilm. Um, they don't have anything by way of dates and times or anything like that when this might be coming. Um, so my mind starts to work a little bit and I'm like, hmm, I think I'm excited about this, especially if they get to work on my favorite part of the Star Wars universe now, which is the super old stuff. Knights of the Old Republic, Star Wars, of the Old Republic. That's my favorite era. Sith, Jedi, Mandalorians and a few other little factions here and there. That is my favorite part of Star Wars, which is completely not canon anymore, but I still love it. I still look at it and read those books. Um, that's all I have left. And so I double down on it, and I love it, and I'm hoping that this will be the area in which uh, Weiss and Benioff get to play. And so when I think about that, I think, well, who would score that? And knowing their relationship with Ramin Javadi, I'm like, well, yeah, that could be. But who else could score it? And of course we think, well, well John Williams, he's, he's the man. He is Star Wars. But how practical is that? Um, given his age, given the dates and times of this, who knows where the, when this is coming? And then I thought, well, if we're talking big, huge, sprawling, epic fantasy, who better than Howard Shore? And then I got really excited. And I was like, that would be just the best thing ever. And I found myself even more excited about the proposition or, or the idea or the fantas fantastical dream of a Howard Shore scored film, Star Wars film, than I was at the idea of even John Williams scoring it, which I know is just blowing up people's, people are having aneurysms right now as I say this. <laughs> um, but it was the truth. I was like, wow, I'm actually really more excited about that idea than if I heard John Williams was going to score it. And, and if I was hearing someone else say this, I might be having an aneurysm as well. But that was my truthful reaction to it. Um, so I put out on Twitter just to see what the reaction would be. And there was actually more support for that idea than I thought people were. Some admitted to me, yeah, I'd be more excited about that. Some were like, you're going to die, a pox upon you, all of that, which I expected. Um, and so... That's what I wanted to talk to Doug about. Say, hey, Doug, what do you think about this? What do you, this, this whole dream of an idea? I had some very specific questions I wanted to bounce off of Doug on this. Um, but before we go there, what did you guys think about that announcement? I assume you both are Game of Thrones fans. Uh, does, that, does that excite you about a Star Wars uh, series being done by these two men or no? Um... I'm of two minds about it, but I'm of two minds about all of this Star Wars stuff going on right now, I think. Um, mm. You know, I 
I don't know. I, I think I'm around the the same age as everybody here, but I, I grew up with Star Wars being a very um, specific story that to me was more focused on a group of characters than in an exercise in world building. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, there's no reason that it needs to be what it was or what I assumed it was when I was when I was little and it was a, a young series. Mm-hmm. But it's been sort of odd to me to see, you know, I don't know if that was ever necessarily my huge interest in that series. I liked the characters and their particular journeys more than I liked just disappearing into Star Wars universe, world, whatever you call it. Disappearing, no pun intended. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, coming <laughs> coming back, coming back with this, a strange blue haze around me. Um but uh, yeah, so it, it's uh, even things like you, you started to see the Star Wars brand um, taking their first little steps into expanding that that concept of what Star Wars is as a form of entertainment. So it's been very small steps. You know, Rogue One was a different set of characters, but it was mm-hmm. still directly related to things that we saw happen. You know, it was kind of the guys at the... Right. The edge of the screen and the, the other stories. Right. Um, Han Solo sort of has the same thing as far as I can tell. You know, it's going to be this story of one character we know, but in a different mm-hmm. type of story slash adventure thing. Um, so getting the game to Game of Thrones, guys, it, it's interesting. Does that mean that they want to do, you know, well, what would happen if we did a, a, a gritty, bloody early Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's my limited thinking. That might not be what they're after at all, but it does kind of seem like, well, gee, is that really uh, you know, completely germane to this type of storytelling or not? And I don't know. Right. We'll see. It's it's interesting. You know, it, part of this is just my own very bottled up notion of what these stories can and or should be. So I need sure. to expand my own mind a, a bit, I suppose. Sure. Uh, Kristen, what about you? How did you react to that news? Um, I don't want to say it's complicated. How so? On one hand, I really like the Star Wars expanded universe. Um, I I like reading the novels um, and that whole thing. The whole as soon as you said Knights of the Old Republic, I was like, oh no, don't get attached to that idea and. too late for me because that would be super cool i think um (laughs) but i'm also feeling like are we getting a little star wars out i mean oh yeah yeah maybe that's a silly question because i asked that question before i went into the last jedi and i came out being like no you fool you're not star wars out. you love this but (laughs) now i'm sort of back to after you know, being on that high for a little bit. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but are we, have we mm-hmm. reached peak Star Wars? I mean, maybe once we hit Solo, we'll definitely be peak Star Wars, but um, yeah. we'll see. It makes me nervous. I I, mm. I do like Game of Thrones, um, mm-hmm. and that is actually kind of recent. I binge watched like the whole thing in the span of a month over the summer um Mm -hmm. wow wow all seven or eight seasons i forget what season we're on now uh i think i binged seven seasons 
Wow, that's impressive. Of it. Yeah. That yeah. Impressive. It was a little nuts. I did the same thing with Lost, like way back before their final season. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I so, mean, so the on fact one of hand, Weiss and Benioff doing it, does that excite you? Take, they, take away everything else, Star Wars, and just focus on that. Benioff wrote that horrible Wolverine movie. So, which one? Which horrible Wolverine? The first Origins. Uh, Wolverine Origins? Oh, really? See, I don't hate that movie as much as everyone else does, but I did not know but, he wrote that. I mean, but he also wrote 25th Hour. I never saw that. But he also wrote Troy. Ooh. But. Ouch. Yeah, it's like, mm, like, there's like, on one hand, there's this good stuff. On the other hand, there's this really terrible stuff. So. But was the writing bad on Troy? I think the directing was bad and the casting was bad. But was the writing bad? I feel like. I can't remember. I feel like everything was just so bad. Hmm. You can't it's been so narrow long it since down. I've seen that but... movie. <laughs> so long since I've seen that movie. So so it's complicated. You've got some pros and some cons. I I think I have have detailed the the complexity I'm feeling. Yeah, I think you have. Yeah. Okay. I think overall it excites me because I'm now in compartmental zone where <laughs> it's like I don't care. What happens with the Star Wars Skywalker saga anymore? Do whatever you want. I don't care. Um, and then Solo, whatever. Um, and then whatever his Ryan Johnson's other trilogy is, whatever. I don't care. Um, so those can come out every year forever. And I may or may not watch any of them. But if I take this on its own, and if it does happen to be Knights of the Republic, I'm so in. If it becomes something else, I... My excitement may go right out the door. But as of this moment, I'm pretty excited about it. So uh, that being discussed, um, Kristen, I'll ask you, what excites you more if they were to announce, and let's say it is a Knights of the Old Republic, the series, um, having John Williams attached to score that, and this is Right now, today, nothing, nothing's different in reality. Just John Williams as he is right now, what he can do, what he can't do. Or Howard Shore, if he was to be announced as the composer uh, for this, which would excite you more? Can I choose an option C? Or is that something we're doing later? Um, I might ask later who you, who, if there was some other composer you would rather than both of them, either of them, which is hard to imagine, but if there was such a thing, yeah, you can do that later. If you just have these two options in front of you. If I just had these two options in front of me. Yes. 2018 John Williams. Yes, correct. And 2018 Howard Shore. Correct. Uh... I mean, I love John Williams. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves John Williams. Everyone does. Yeah, I love John Williams. People who don't even know film music love John Williams. Absolutely. Um, that being said, if it's a completely new 
outside of the Skywalker stuff. Yep, Knights of the series. Old Republic. I think that no Skywalkers. I think that a new voice should establish that world, and mm-hmm. I mean, sure would be a, a really good option, solid choice. Um, not what I would go with personally, though. Okay, so but. Would the, would hearing his name attached to it excite you more than hearing John Williams' name attached to it? Maybe. I mean, for John Williams, I would be concerned. Um, I I would probably be more concerned if I heard John Williams' name. Hmm. Um, okay. Kind of a oh come on, just let the man have a nap, sort of way. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I already shared. I, yeah, if, I was if, if more. If they said ex- Howard hmm? Shore, I would probably be like, "Okay, that's interesting." Mm-hmm. Would you be excited about it, or would you just be like, "Hmm, interesting choice." Next, I think I. Well, I don't know if I would be like next, but I, I would definitely <laughs> be like, "That's an interesting choice." Okay, so you wouldn't run to Twitter and be like, "Oh my God, Howard Shore on Star Wars." Um. Because that's what my tweet would be. <laughs> exactly that. I might be like, oh my god, the flying Videodrome. What's going to happen here? <laughs> that would, I could see that coming from you. I could, see, I could see that tweet coming from you. I think Twitter would just self-implode if that, if that happened. Oh, don't score Twitter uh, would definitely implode. Yeah, it would, it would I don't. I would love to see that happen. Just to see, I would like to see that announcement made just to see what would happen. If Lord of the Rings people would be upset, like, no, you can't have him. Or Star Wars would be like, no, we don't want him. That's Lord of the Rings. We want Star Wars to be Star why Wars. Would, I, I would wonder. Why would they be upset? I mean, it's too fantasy epic. Because it's, it's the internet. <laughs> and that's the default <laughs> reaction <laughs> um, to everything. Oh, uh, everyone should just be chill. They're two fantasy epics, and yeah, I don't know. That sort of that sort of fits his oeuvre, I guess. It would be, it would. I would be so excited, but it would, you know, it would take a minute to like. Man, he's going to compose music, and again, this is total fantasy, specul not speculation. Even it's just what if. So if you've come into the middle of this podcast somehow and haven't been paying attention, there's been no announcement. There has been nothing. It's just total this total just fantasy on my part. Christopher's sweet, sweet dreams. Yes. And maybe I can speak it into existence or something just by putting it out into the ether. <laughs> and somehow tomorrow Doug comes back and is like, man, how did you know? That would be really awesome. Um, uh-oh. <laughs> didn't, mean to, didn't mean to incite that. Finished her off. <laughs> she was doing so well. She was doing so very well. You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, Doug, I won't ask you if you would be more excited or, not, or would you? Uh, that's maybe an interesting question to ask you. If, I mean, and you being you with the with the connections you have and don't have and all of that, would you be more excited to see Shore's name attached to a Star Wars film than John Williams? 
Well, I tried to get the two of them into a bidding war for liner notes, so <laughs> it's really what we're all trying to figure out here. <laughs> <laughs> Very well played. Now, you said something about The Last Jedi, and I'll just bring this up real quick. Uh, I think it was a tweet. I'm not sure, but you talked. You said something like, um, "like a, a very careful listen mm. to the Last Jedi score would 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 be a very worthwhile um, exercise." There's there's things in there for people to discover. Um, maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit because I, to be honest, I haven't listened to that score in a month, <laughs> and. I mean, and and I'm. It wasn't like intentionally. Oh, I'm mad. I didn't like the movie, so I'm not gonna listen to it. I just haven't had any desire to do to. And I don't think it's a bad score at all. I just haven't. Um, so I'm curious what I'm missing that you've clearly gleaned out of out of your listening of that score. <laughs> well, I mean, I think Williams composed dif- uh, composes uh, differently than than Shore does in terms of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sure, those repeated careful listenings tend to reveal not necessarily well, they they will often reveal uh, little hints and subtexts and and um, you know almost literary meanings behind things. Uh, Williams mm-hmm. is a more uh, kind of a heart on his sleeve composer in terms of the drama. Um, I always have thought, in fact, I think I might have even said it on the podcast before, that I think part of Williams' success comes from the fact that he scores it the way the audience reacts to it. Uh, Shore often scores from a filmmaker point of view in that he's coming from, you know, a participant in the storytelling in a different manner. You know, he sort of holds the secrets and, and is letting them out a little bit at a time to help tell the story. Mm -hmm. Whereas Williams is more about that person in the seat gasping and, and, and being excited and being worried and, you know, reacting as the audience does. So a a careful Mm -hmm. listening to a Williams score doesn't necessarily in my mind, reveal a lot of uh, extra narrative information. I always laughed when people are trying to figure out Ray's parents from, you know, well, look, he used this and this. I, I always wanted to say that's not how Williams works. Even if he knew, he's not going to work it into the score. You know, he's just as likely to give her a brand new theme in the next episode. He, that's how he operates. You know, if, if that's the energy a story yeah. needs, that's how what he goes with. He isn't really worried about that sort of literary aspect to it. Um, yeah. In the case of The Last Jedi, it's just phenomenally well-written symphonic music. The, the care <laughs> that he brings to the orchestration and the... The color, the way he develops his his material now is is so sophisticated that it's you know like listening to a, a, a massive Bruckner symphony, you know, where it's just so many interlinking parts that you just appreciate the craftsmanship the more you go through it, and it's a heck of a good mm-hmm. ride too. You know, it's just all the highs and lows and the emotion that he does pack into it to to replicate that audience uh, theater going experience. I think it's to my ears incredibly moving. Do you did you have that same reaction or same feeling about his score for The Force Awakens? Yeah, although Force Awakens, uh, I think, is maybe a, a little bit more of a thrill ride than a piece of. Uh, it doesn't have necessarily the, the the type of weight that Williams brought to the Last Jedi, which is very typical of the way Williams approaches his second chapters in in you know everything from 
you know, Empire Strikes Back is a comparison everyone wants to make. But even if you go back to Jaws 2 and things like that, you could imagine what mm. the third one would have been. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe the outlier there would have been his second Harry Potter didn't quite do the same thing. But to hear him rework material and, and weave in old references, new references, etc., um, he he gives a sort of, uh, you know, imperative sense to everything that's... Uh, I, I think it makes his part two scores uh, very special and very interesting, very compelling. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me ask the tougher a tougher question. <laughs> uh, do you think, you know, having the relationship that you have with Howard Shore, um, you've worked with him now for how many years? 15 years more? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, since about 01, so yeah, getting, okay. getting a lot of years there. 16, 17 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and working on music together or understanding his music and why he's done what he's done and breaking it down and all of that. Do you think if Weiss and Benioff went to him and said, Mr. Shore, we'd like, we're going to do one movie or we're going to do three movies. I, I, I hesitate the three movie thing because that might might scare him. Like, I'm not doing three <laughs> movies again, but we're doing one movie, a Star Wars movie. We would like you to write the original score for that movie. Do you think he'd be interested in doing that? Ironically, I think it would depend on exactly the concern I had earlier, where if this feels like it's it's doing something different and, and less traditionally Star Wars-y, Mm -hmm. If I were to guess, I think that would be more appealing to Shore's sensibility than if it were another, you know, it feels like this 1970s something university created and it sort of fits in with all these pieces. And this is the story of, you know, the guy that trimmed everybody's mustaches, but he had his own special adventure. <laughs> you know, if, if, if it were part of the overall <laughs> existing universe, um, I know Howard has always expressed a, a great interest in not just executing the score, but in, in establishing the palette, the types of instrumentation, the mm. types of, you know, what are the defining parameters? Is it going to be choral? Is it going to feature, you know, only strings? Is it going to be 12 tone? Is it going to be electronic? These are all things he's tried before. And I think mm -hmm. that establishment of palette is incredibly important to him. So if it were mm. a thing where he had to come in and execute a late romantic score that is, reminiscent of of williams or something like that again purely guessing but i would think that would be less appealing to him than if he could you know stake his own claim with everything hmm. okay so if he if he had to if they said but you have to use the main star wars theme and the force theme would that be would those be deal breakers for him <laughs> but everything else you can do anything else you want but you've just got to use those two at least the main Star Wars theme and then the Force motif. You think he would like? Okay, I can, I can make those work. Yeah, I don't know. Then maybe that would give him pause. I don't know. He, he's, he's, hmm. you know, he's a, he's a composer that likes to, you know, kind of create that whole world, not just, not sure. just uh, run around in it. Gotcha. But I, you know, gotcha. I could be wrong. These are all just guesses on my part, and it would all depend sure. on the specifics. And as you say, this is all sure. purely speculative. So, yeah. And but you know, 
I hear you saying that, and I'm thinking, but Doug, he did a Twilight movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's entirely true. It's exactly true. And he started from scratch. He didn't. He didn't rely on anything that came before it. Uh, yeah, right. I think so. I think so. I think he. Um, I think he he brought in some of the sonic elements, like the Burwell had some guitar stuff, and the Desplat had that you know lush or- orchestra thing going on in there, and all that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it amazes me to this day the caliber of composers they got for the Twilight movies for a completely forgotten series. Yeah, I know. It's like, wow, how did you do that? They just had lots of money or something. I don't know, but amazing. Um, So if he did have that blank open palette to do whatever he wants, and we're talking about a Knights of the Old Republic, you know, thousands of years before the before A New Hope, and we're talking like tons of Sith and tons of Jedi. How do you think he'd approach it? Would he take a similar Lord of the Rings, um, Tolkien approach in any way, shape, or form, or do you think he would want to do something different, very different? Uh, in my complete imagination, I don't think it would sound all that different from his work on uh, uh, Sun, the video game. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just sort of a now, sci-fi some of that sounded very thing. much very much like at least in my ear it sounded very lord of the rings ish yeah i think it was but in that neighborhood but it was infused with you know had some theremin and a little bit more of a uh you know yeah that's a, right more chromatic writing a little bit more otherworldly type of uh of, of push to it all right yeah. now i know what music i can put as the intro and outro for this. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that yeah. i was wondering what do i put there you that's go, there perfect you go. i haven't i haven't listened to that score in years thank you for bringing that up um, that was score. a Kore- was that a Korean RPG or something a Korean RPG game? Uh, I or? know it was it was like uh, that part of the world. I can't remember where it was exactly released. I think the idea was was yeah. eventually to bring it further into the Western world, but uh, it didn't happen. And it took a long time to for it to release, didn't it? Yeah, it I feels f- like think it they ended up doing it as a as a collector's edition through the Howe label, actually. Oh, okay. Well, there there was a there must have been. I bought it years and years ago when it was available, like on YesAsia.com or one of those right, um, right, right, yeah, e-commerce stores in in the Far East. It was so like an import, was a, though, right? Yep, yeah, exactly yeah. right, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, good call. I can't wait to re-listen to that. <laughs> um, so you think he'd go somewhere in that direction? Okay, seems possible. Um, seems so, possible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Kristen, it sounded like you wanted option C which didn't exist in my initial question, <laughs> A being John Williams, B being Howard Shore. It sounded like you had an option C that you might want to suggest. Who might that be? Well, I'm not just being difficult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, 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 we'll determine that based on who you, what name comes out of your mouth. No, I, I just feel like... And don't it, say Carter Burwell. <laughs> he did a Twilight movie. I know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> like no one is like giving Star Wars the Twilight castoffs now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true, De Pla, but he didn't. Ma- he didn't survive. He didn't get he through. No, he didn't make it through. Um, Giacchino I, didn't do a Twilight film, did he? No, he didn't. Not I yet. Feel like if we're going yet. to, to <laughs> do um, new Star Wars and a new story um, and places in a new framework. I feel like we need to go with 
uh, one of the younger guys, um, a newer voice. Um, I think that would, I think that would really open up the possibilities more in the universe. But for an older story, you want a newer sound for an older story? I mean, it's all relative timeline, but. Yes, I do. Um, And I don't know if it's because I just got back from Black Panther, but Ludwig Borenson, (laughs) I would be down with that a lot. Okay. (laughs) I've heard his instrumentation is pretty amazing in this film. It is. He's he's pretty inventive with, you know, stuff. (laughs) With stuff. (laughs) I think that's what it says on his website. Yeah. I'm Ludwig Gordon. I'm pretty inventive with stuff. Yeah. Professional writer here. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's who you would like to see? Someone like him or someone like him? Him or someone like him. Yeah. Um, I I think. I think an infusion of new ideas uh, would actually be what excites me. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. So a so a classical score wouldn't be what your wouldn't excite you as much. Um. Maybe a postmodern classical score. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I'm very curious as to what our listeners are thinking, how they're reacting to this discussion of you know, what if Howard Shore composed a score for a Star Wars film, especially a Knights of the Old Republic film. Would you be down for that? Or would you be like, no, 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 no. It must be John Williams. Or <laughs> or maybe you want someone like um, Kristen, someone younger, someone with a postmodern edge to them. Uh, you can let us know that. Um uh, by email or Twitter or however you want to let us know. But I'd like to know your thoughts about uh, this topic. Um, Doug, do you have anything else that you might be able to inject into this conversation of Howard Shore and Star Wars? Um, I don't know. I can I can honestly say that the thought has been in the back of my mind for a long time, only because. Uh, you know, Cronenberg was was very briefly approached about uh, Return of the Jedi back in the day. That's right. So that's, you know, <laughs> although I think John Williams was part of the package deal, no matter who got that film, it did sort of oh, sure. put the thought in one's head that, oh, does that mean Howard Shore would have come along? But, uh. Oh, my God. 80s Howard Shore doing an 80s Star Wars. <gasps> <laughs> I'm back on board. <laughs> nope, it's not 80s. It's <laughs> contemporary. But can you imagine what Howard Shore would have done with Yubnub? <laughs> How would he have handled the Ewok celebration? That would be <laughs> that would be something to behold, I think. Um that would be pretty amazing. Um Kristen, do you have any final thoughts about this this whole little fantastical idea? Um I think that where Star Wars went with Rogue One and Solo have already sort of it, it's already introduced this idea of a, a non-Williams Star Wars world, like a post-Williams world, mm-hmm. which is so sad coming out of my mouth. 
Um, mm. But we're prepared for it. Um, and even though he's doing a theme in solo, um, I mean, John Powell doing one of the scores is exciting as well. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. I was super excited about that. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I think... I think we're ready to be post Williams, and if anyone's like, "No, it must, must, must be John Williams," I, I think that the world needs to move beyond that um, because there are some physical limitations we're working with. Sure, yeah, I mean Disney doesn't look like they're slowing down on the Star Wars train anytime soon, mm-hmm. and it's just. Even if even if John Williams was fifty three years old, with the current number of projects, I don't think he could do them all. So it's it would be an inevitability uh, anyway. So I say if we're gonna have to do without uh, him, there's no one I'd be more excited about than hearing Howard Shore being attached to. Star Wars film, specifically of the era that I've that I've spoken of. Um, so, yeah. So I'll just dream on that a little bit more. And 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 Doug, the things you've shared, you know, makes me feel even better about it. Not <laughs> that there's a, any real possibility of it happening, but if it did, I mean, it sounds like there would be an outside chance if he was approached um, that it might happen. And I know Weiss and Benioff listen to this podcast, so now they know they can go to shore and if they give him a a clean slate to work from, he might he might very well be in. And man, what a what a great day that would be to hear to hear that. Um so that's kinda kinda wrap us up. Before we go, I definitely want uh both you and Christian to share where people can find and and follow you. Uh Doug, why don't you go first? Where can people check out your your thoughts and ideas <laughs> and general life. My general life. Oh man. <laughs> I don't know if anyone wants to see my general life. <laughs> could, That's what yeah, social media is for, just, right? I don't know. I just, just be coffee cups and <laughs> on, uh, uh, you know, and writing yeah, and books. Poor, poor rest habits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can mostly find me on Twitter at Doug Adams music. Um, I go in spells. I'll be very uh, active and then I'll disappear. So don't give up on me. I'll eventually come up with something witty to say, I promise. (laughs) Okay. Very good. And, of course, your book, Music of the Lord of the Rings, or the Music of the Lord of the Rings trilogy films, is still in print and available, right? Hasn't, like, gone out of print. No, we just sent another edition to the printers, so we're going strong. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. How many, uh, can you say how many? It's how many have been printed? Uh, I don't have the exact total off the top of my head, but I believe we're into the fourth printing now. Uh, so, wow. yeah, a lot. It's uh, It blows my mind, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's still a great book. I refer back to it every once in a while when I do my, my yearly extended edition watch i have the book with me and i follow i'm like oh yeah there's that there yeah, yeah he's right that's like my favorite thing to do is to like read the book and watch the film at the same time well it's not my favorite thing but it is a thing that i like to do that's cool it's great <laughs> there, there's no other experience there is no other book that i can watch or read along with watching a movie at the same time maybe there are others out there like that but that's the only one i've ever done that with that's cool um 
So, uh, Kristen, where can people find and follow you and get your general life? <laughs> uh, the easiest way to find me is on Twitter. My name is KB for now. That's K-B-F-O-R-N-O-W. And you can find FSM online at um, fsmonlinemag.com. Also on Twitter, fsmonlinemag. Awesome. Um, you can find and follow me personally if you want to know what I'm doing in life in general at uh, C. Coleman on Twitter. Also follow the official Twitter account for the Soundcast, which is at Audio Soundcast on Twitter. Um, and also you can find all of the soundtracky stuff that I cover uh, on Twitter at, at Track Sounds. Um, if you have a response to this show, let us know what you thought about the show itself or the idea. Is it crazy? Is it the best idea ever? Should it happen? Should we start a petition? What should we do? You can let us know at soundcast at tracksounds.com uh, or hit us up on Facebook as well. Although Facebook, I don't know if it's even worth being on Facebook anymore because they don't show your posts to anybody. And so I don't know how much longer we'll even attempt to be there. But we're there for now. So um, look for us there as well. And let us know your thoughts about the potential the fantastical idea of having Howard Shore on a Star Wars film. So that's going to wrap up episode 101 of the Soundcast. Thank you so much for listening. And until our next episode, I will say, may the notes be with you. Or what's the title of Enya's song? May it be. How about that? May it, may be. it be that the notes are with you. <laughs>